the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Brought to you by E.P. Wealth. This is The Rob Black Show. In the last two weeks, I heard a phrase that I don't think I've ever heard in my 25 years of doing this. That if you want to get rid of recessions, you have to have job cuts. Job losses will typically take care of inflation. And I was like, that's kind of humbling, incredibly flat and said with no compassion. Job losses usually kill inflation. You're like, whoa, I need a cigarette after that one. I'm not a cigarette smoker. I still have a lot to learn. And of course, I knew that really simple thought in my head. I just didn't know how to say it out loud without being offensive. Now, another thing, we're fighting inflation this year. So really what we're looking for is victories against inflation. I just gave some examples of income stocks that are outperforming the S&P 500 because they have income and a little bit of growth. Subtle broke Verizon for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned on the show. Those are not part of a strategy. Those are just part of a radio show. They don't really apply to you. Um, if you want to meet with a financial planner, let me know. I can set you up with mine. Now, industrial metals are on track for the worst quarter since 2008. Now, what is, why is that one important? Because I just talked about recessions typically lead to job cuts. Job cuts usually lead to people not working. And people not working tends to lead to people not inflating the economy. The Federal Reserve can lower interest rates, but they can't really do anything about gasoline prices or rents. They're not in charge like the government is of like, let's build more cheaper uh, homes. Let's subsidize government spending homes. Kind of like they're not in that position. The Federal Reserve can cut you down on getting a mortgage and they can cut you down on your credit card fees, but they can't do much else. They can stimulate by cutting the rates. They can slow things down by rising the rates, raising the rates. So we're seeing copper, which is an industrial metal. Unlike gold, gold is a pretty metal. It's lovely and precious. But copper, the big bellwether, tumbled 21%. It's worst week since the 1980s. It's dramatic reversal of the last two years where industrial metals have surged on a new wave of post-lockdown optimism. Inflationary predictions, supply snarls. Copper is telling us a canary in the gas mine i can't breathe the chinese manufacturing activity is the thing that's killing the oxygen supply in global commodities s&p global gauges showed european manufacturing output contracting for the first time in two years while u.s output hit a 23 month low even if china recovers in the second half and is able to get the factories fired up due to covid shutdowns 
you're seeing a massive drop in industrial metals. Tell us that's not inflationary. That's that's a cut in inflation. Copper had a 16-month low of 8,122 a ton. Use copper when you build roads. Use copper when you build buildings. Metals from aluminum to zinc have plunged as well with index on industrial metals down 26% this quarter. That's the biggest drop since the end of 2008. So you're not going to hear about how this hits inflation until it hits the producer price inflation, where the producers who are making cars, washing machines, things that use big industrial metals, when they start delivering those to the consumer, we're going to see the producer price index go down on the cost of materials. And in theory, the producers will say, you know, I don't have to pass the the no longer cost on to the consumer. So there is some spots where you're going to see inflation working out for the better. It is a six to nine month process minimum, in my opinion. So all of 2022, let's just say nine to 12 months, say all of 22 is screwed, hosed. We've pooched the punt with inflation numbers going to be, you know, jotting dots everywhere in it, 2022. But The dot should be getting lower on a year-over-year basis and on a trending basis. But yeah, we're going to have inflation for the rest of the year. It's kind of like saying your kid's going to have acne. Just how bad is it? Are there going to be days that he has good days or is it just going to be acne, 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 acne? Metals have been hit harder than any other commodities like crops and energy where supplies and trade have not been forcefully as affected by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The Bloomberg Energy Spot sub-index is up 10% since the end of March, while corresponding agricultural index is down 9.7%. So food coming down a bit, precious uh, uh, industrial metals coming down, energy not so much. Again, as these hit the producers, it'll eventually hit the consumers, and we'll start seeing some numbers that feel a little bit better. Right now, if... You were to lump our problems all together. You'd clearly say Russia and Ukraine. You'd say China's COVID policy and trying to stay open for business and manufacturing throughout all of that. Supply chain delivery, put something on a boat when it doesn't come out. A friend of mine is building an addition to his home. And you got to work with me on this one because this is where my knowledge is sometimes like, does he even know what that is? I think they've put in the cement and now they want to put in trellises. And the trellises are sitting on a boat somewhere out in the ocean waiting to be unloaded. So once they're unloaded, the contractor can put in the trellises and the contractor can say, here you go, here's your boat for the trellises. But right now he says, we wait. We wait and we wait and we wait. So he wants the project done sooner rather than later. So evidence of the bearish shift is clearest in the Chinese market, where open interest in Shanghai futures copper contracts has risen sharply. That tells me that traders are adding to their shorts rather than selling out of bullish positions. People expect more of an implosion costs on precious metals. No, not on precious, but industrial metals. Um, again, copper and tin and aluminum, much more industrial things that we use to build. And I think that's worthy of talking about a hard asset fund right now that you've probably heard CFP Chad Burton talk about hard assets. I tend not to. 
I'm not a big commodity inflation guy. And this year I got that one wrong. Most years I don't have commodities in my own personal guidance. I pay EP Wealth to do my portfolio on an institutional professional side. And I do my own personal portfolio that I base this show off of. But I'm giving a lot of credit to EP Wealth because I trust them to do my industrial metals. I don't trust myself to do my industrial metals. Um, Assets are stocks, bonds, and real estate. I think we got that. But there's also commodities. I'm not good at doing commodities. I think they give you an important part of a well-rounded, diversified portfolio, but I'm not good at it. And I, I, I need to throw that tip to someone else who is, because you should probably consider as you create wealth to have a hard asset commodity play with the idea of everything always goes up in prices. I don't know if that's true. And sometimes with commodities, you're playing options. And that's one of the reasons I don't like doing commodities myself, because I doubt the reality of the statement that everything always goes up in price. If it did, I would feel a lot more comfortable about playing that trend. But we're about to see commercial metals collapse in price, collapse down 10, 20, 30%. So is that going to be enough to inflate into inflation? No. But like I said, if it's a... If it's your kid's acne scarred, just zit covered black head, just nasty stuff growing out of his face, acne that looks like cabbage. If we start winning some battles with commercial metals, it'll be a nice start. But that's all we're going to say at this point in time. Taking a look at how the markets open, a little bit of surprise, 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 no follow through from last week. 30 minutes ago while doing prep for the show, I was like, ah, things are going to open in the much nicer category. We're going to carry over some gains from last week. Um, It's not awful, but it is weaker. So overly optimistic Wall Street. Dang you. Dang you for having a positive outlook today. Um. You're going to hear more and more if you pay attention to CNBC. One of the listeners that I hate the most is a guy who regularly asks the same exact question. Is now the time to buy rental real estate? And I'm truly, truly shocked when a, when a stock market that we talk about is down 30% like the NASDAQ. And history has shown that stocks beat real estate handily on a 10, 20, 30 year basis. The beauty about real estate is you never see it coming. When you first get into your first piece of real estate, you're you're in over your head. And then you get a year of 10% gains or 5% gains and you didn't put a lot into it. You're like, whoa, that was easy money. But it's just paper money at this point in time. So the worst question I get on a regular basis is the same one looking for a different answer, which be cautious on that one. Because like I said, Going after rental real estate outside of markets that you live in is very, it increases your level of risk and speculation. And why not say like, wow, don't you see a buying opportunity clearly in front of your nose that you don't have that 30-year mortgage tied to or the demand to get a renter put in? And in fact, the snapback rally could be so significant that you can then take out gains in a year or two and buy a bigger piece of property maybe. I'm surprised by the way people think. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. 
I'm Rob Black. Don't miss an episode of The Rob Black Show. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I saw two headlines standing by, side by side on each other this weekend, and I was like, I think I should bring this one up. One of the things that is a problem in the United States is we have too many SPACs. We have too many IPOs as we have kind of a venture capital market that I don't This isn't well thought out and please don't get mad at me for saying this. We have a venture capital market that really is rewarded for going and get a good idea and trying to develop into a great idea and a sales pitch. And sometimes we just don't need that great idea. Do we need a great idea for solving cancer? Yes. But every now and then you'll be watching Shark Tank. You go, I don't know if we need that. And sometimes the sharks will say, I don't know if we need that. This is a small market. But for instance, two of the headlines that I think sitting side by side that I saw that I was like, let's share and see if you agree or disagree. Insiders at $12 billion ultra fast delivery start up Gitter describes a culture that churns through workers since delivery people to the ER and has zero chance at profitability. It aims for 10 minute grocery delivery. And no one thinks that this is possible or even wanted. So why do we need 10-minute grocery delivery? It's a very good question. And then you get into that, a culture that churns through workers sends delivery people to the ER. If I'm going to teach you one thing today, it's that I'm pro-labor on some levels that you probably didn't think. Getting an employee is very difficult. Getting an employee to stay is even more difficult. The ability for companies to get and to train and to retrain, retain employees is one of the most expensive grabs there is. <clears throat> so when the headline says insiders at Gitter describe a culture that churns through workers, churns through workers tells me I'm not interested. Sends delivery people to the ER. I have no interest now at all. Suddenly, if you had me like, oh, 10-minute delivery service, like, let's talk. We need that. I need to, like, be able to say, uh, you know, McDonald's, chicken nuggets, get in my belly. And they need to be here in 10 minutes or less. They're just still hot and greasy, right? I don't think we need that one. It was, like, a lot during the Super Bowl in 2000 when we saw, you know, monkeys go into the moon on a rocket. Anyone can be an investor. I don't think we needed anyone to be an investor. Um, pets.com and how about web van remember the old San Francisco baseball stadium and you'd see advertisements for web van and you try to explain that to your family back on the east like yeah so there's this company that they'll actually come to your house put the groceries in your, your, your refrigerator for you and like do we need that I remember going to the grocery store do you know what the grocery store for me was it was like party night it was singles night out you get a store you get a car you'd see a, a cute lady you'd kind of stalk her you say oh is this broccolini because i don't know what broccolini looks like but i'm i'm making broccolini for my mom and she's like ah oh, he's going for the mom angle 
do we really need food delivered in 10 minutes or less when we used to like that used to be our match.com that used to be our tender was the going to the grocery store on a sunday night i know you're saying you're a lot of fun rob okay so the other headline that the insiders at ultra fast delivery startup getter describe a culture that churns through workers sends delivery people that you are I'm instantly not attracted to the business model. And now you'd have to really win me over because I, I hear they have labor issues. So the other headline that really got me, and this is for the better, McDonald's is revamping its system of recruiting franchisees to bring in more diverse candidates. Franchisees will now have to be subject to a more stringent reveal every 20 years to ensure their suitability. Where... Once you got your foot in the door at McDonald's, you were in, and you could just turn it into a slumlord kind of scenario. So CNBC has done a little investigative reporting at McDonald's and some of their different managers and what they're working on. And a black McDonald's franchisee who operated 14 stores in the U.S. brought a lawsuit against McDonald's accusing the company of racial discrimination. Herbert Washington alleged that the chain had steered him and other black franchise restaurants franchise E restaurant owners towards locations in poor neighborhoods where they made less of a profit. The 52 black former McDonald's franchisees filed a complaint against McDonald's systemic and covert racial discrimination. I like the idea that McDonald's is rethinking how to do franchisees. Now keep in mind 20 years ago, on a regular basis, people would call me up and say, should I get a Subway franchise? Should I get a Quiznos? Do you remember Quiznos? Quiznos was more popular than Subway. I think the bread was better or something like that. I'm not a big sub guy. And I get the idea of six inch sandwich for $5 at a soda, like kind of a magical formula. Like that's what Subway invented, a $5 lunch. That was a six-inch sandwich. That's their invention to business. That's their invention to culture. I know you're like, yeah, didn't they have that pedophile guy, uh, Gerald? Yeah, I'm not going in that. But the number of people who wanted to own franchisees 20 years ago was a lot higher than today. And I remember a family, and they had an Asian background. And... They're like, yeah, we want to get into a Quiznos in Gilroy. I'm like, Quiznos in Gilroy? Like, let me think about that one for a second. Okay, so Gilroy, just for those of you not familiar with the area, it's kind of 20 miles south of San Jose, which means it's really kind of far out there. There's not a lot going on in Gilroy other than garlic farmers and a place to stop and urinate if you're on a road trip. And there's not a lot going on. I'm like, okay, you want to set up a restaurant where labor is going to be a problem? No one really wants to make sandwiches for other people. That's not their their dream when they're like eight years old. Like, I want to grow up and work at a subway and make sandwiches for people who are standing in line and get really angry because I didn't put off oil and vinegar on their sandwich. So I just talked to the guy. I'm like, go into like three or four Quiznos and talk to the owners and, and see if you can't get their pros and cons and what they like and they don't like. Interview them. He's like, wait, wait, what? There's nothing stopping you from talking to people, is there? And he learned that it was a very family-intensive business and that by buying one, he's probably going to have his daughter work there for the rest of his life. And he's like, nope, not for me. 
You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Resources to help you manage your money. Visit robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Take a look quickly at the calendar. It's June 27th, which basically implies we're going to be ripping a page off the calendar quickly and the year will be halfway over. The end of a quarter will be in the books. That'll be the second quarter of 2022. We had a big week last week of up movements on a four-day week with a holiday that started us off closed. We saw the Dow, the NASDAQ, the S&P 500, the S&P 400, the Russell 2000 all have a very nice week gaining 5%. After being down 9.2%, 18.4%, 13.7%, 13.3%, 14.7% in the second quarter, the end of the quarter is ending with a strong week. The better part of the 12 weeks have been pretty stinky. I know you're saying, is that technical? Yes, pretty stinky. When your son has a dirty diaper, you go, ooh, that's not so bad. And then you go, that's pretty. Last week was a pretty stinky end of the quarter. Even though it's not over. It'll be over midweek this week, but you get the idea. One up, we not kill a stinky quarter. But it's okay. I like stinky quarters. In the last two years, three years, four years, the best time for me to invest have been in the last 90 days. For me, buying at a discount versus buying at a premium. So the people who have been getting into the markets for the first time, they're the people who are the biggest winners right now because they're learning buy low. The G7 Leaders Summit is happening and they're saying great stuff like, ooh, let's put a cap on oil coming out of Russia. We'll pay for oil, Russia, Russian oil, but we're only going to say $80 a barrel or something like that. Well, that's not really a good It's not really putting them off, is it? Plus, we're going to ban Russian gold. Russia is technically experiencing its first major default on foreign debt since 1918. The International Monetary Fund has cut its 2022 U.S. GDP view to 2.9% from 3.7%, which implies no recession. China's loosened some COVID restrictions. San Francisco Fed President Daly, he is a non-voter. She is a non-voter. She noted that she sees tightening beyond the neutral rate. So she thinks rates go higher and higher. So another three basis points, 75 basis points in July. And then more coming down the road. Key takeaway today is... Not a lot of data. Total durable goods orders increased 7 tenths percent month over month following an unrevised 4 tenths percent increase in April. Um, You're seeing some business there. You're not seeing anything great, which is fine. Market rates have already been moving up. They moved up a little bit higher today. Let's take a look. Oh, Tom Cruise has a billion-dollar movie. The only reason I bring that up is there's a funny statistic in there on how many people have seen it a second time. 
and here's my spoiler alert. And this isn't that much of a spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it yet, turn off your radio right now. So my theory is Tom Cruise died in the first scene of the movie when he's in that experimental plane. And the rest of it's just a, a fantasy that happens before he hits the earth and dies. Kind of like the occurrence of Owl Creek Bridge, which was a Twilight Zone episode where a Confederate soldier gets convicted and he's going to be hung on a bridge and they push him off. And before he hits the water, they, oh, the rope breaks and he swims free and he swims past some slaves and he swims past some, some uh, soldiers in the north. And he has this really lucky run to see his wife and, oh, he was dead because it ends with his neck snapping on the bridge. I think the same thing happened to Top Gun Maverick. I know you're saying it can't be that highbrow of literature, can it? I'm like, yes, it can. Yes, it can, Goose. I know you're saying don't say that. Oh, okay. So did you see that there was a Supreme Court ruling on New York gun possession? Um, Smith & Wesson bounced more than 25% off its two-year low after SCOTUS struck down gun control law in New York. This has become more and more of a thing when you have the Supreme Court at a six to three majority. And I was trying to explain this to my spouse, like there's going to be a little tinkering away at rights that we're giving to human beings are now going to be taken away. And one of them, it's going to be given in a, a big way are more gun rights. So you saw Smith and Wesson have a huge jump on the interpretation that New York city and New York state, you can carry head and carry if you want. And that's me summing up in just the dumbest of ways, but you can invest in guns. I don't know how you feel about that, but for Smith and Wesson pistols are a pretty big part of the gun makers business. Just throwing it down there for you. Throwing it down there for you. Trying to, to pick you up one, one tick at a time. Right. So last week we had a big up week in a very holiday shortened trading session. Today we start a little bit lower. It's not dramatic, but it's definitely not follow through, which brings up the question, is it a dead cap bounce? Is it a bear market rally? I think you have to assume so. Until we get a softening of CPI numbers, consumer price index, I think this market's going to be dealing with the I word. And the I word, when it's set on air on CNBC or Bloomberg in the morning, people are going to be like, ooh, I don't like eyes. I don't like inflation. So the S&P 500 is down one third of percent. The NASDAQ is down one half percent. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down one quarter of a percent. Not a very dramatic day. Oil's down 25 cents, which I would like to see oil get below $100 a barrel for a psychological reason. Gold's lower, silver's lower. 10-year treasury sits at 3.15%. After not being able to put in creative work at 3.3%, it's pulled back to the 3.1% level. Seeing stocks like NVIDIA and Airbnb and Starbucks and Amazon and Visa, MasterCard, Pepsi, anything that's growthy oriented, just not working today. Seeing things out of Caterpillar working today. So I don't know. Mark Cuban says that crypto is going through the lull that the early internet saw. And he thinks you should play it for the long term. But keep in mind, he also says reasonably, you should have 1% to 5% of your wealth in cryptos. And he is a billionaire. He is not you. He could certainly 
have a small amount of exposure equal a big number and not affect his bottom line like it would you. Blockchain is more than just Bitcoin. To get exposure to leading players in the segment, consider Global X Blockchain ETF, ticker symbol BKCH. So one of the things Cuban's saying is focus on the blockchain and not the, the currency, but the chain side of it, as far as identifying assets and making smart contracts. Um, I throw this down because let's not forget he's a billionaire. And yes, he did navigate the dot-com era smartly. I think he's giving some pretty practical advice, but hear it for what it is. It's a very small amount of his wealth. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Bitcoin's down 3.2% today, worthy of note. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. So this is going to be a weird tell on me, but I think I've kind of made it a small theme inside the show today. We need some companies to fail. We need some kids to get realistic on who they're working for. I say this realistically, just really, really, really compassionately, knowing that I'm talking about people's jobs and careers. We've overdone kind of loading up on crazy fun ideas. And let me give you an example. You've probably seen the HBO show on WeWork. If you have it, you should. It really shows you how unhinged we became on celebrity tech bro status. Adam Newman was a nut job. Walked around New York City with his shoes off so he could be in touch with the ground. And when I say that, for all of you people who believe in like grounding mats and things like that to center your body with the photoelectricity surges on the planet and there's tests there's tests that show that it, it's good for you i'd be very very how shall we say uh, not an investable theme but we work came public and even before they became public they were basically here was their tech idea that was going to break the world you're saying it was this uh, social media 3.0? No, no, no. Was this a semiconductor that can go smaller, feast faster, cheaper? No, 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 no. WeWork's business model was they would lease property from a building and they would sublease it to someone else. And it kind of set up a bro culture where let's say you are Italian and you want to make the ticket master of Italy because Italy doesn't have a ticket master. You see what ticket master does here in the United States. You know, this is almost a monopoly. Brilliant. Let's do the ticket master of Italy. What we work would do is say, hey, Paolo, you need a space for two people in San Francisco because we understand that your big event company can't really support an office of 10, 15, 20 people yet. You're just incubating the idea. So we get a lot of little incubation companies subleasing property from a lease from a business property. That's not exactly reinventing the wheel. Yeah, you can come up with a cute secretary, you can come up with a ping pong table, you can come up with photocopy and everyone's, you know, serves, saves money. But there's another real estate company that's just getting ready to fail, Dorsey. 
They're a real estate startup backed by Adam Newman, who was the guy who started WeWork. Dorsey laid off half its staff after struggling to raise new funding as venture investors pull back. Dorsey reduced its staff from 24 to nine people. Again, do we need another cute.com name that has something we know to do with buying real estate, but we don't know exactly what Dorsey does, but we could think, is there going to be a, another company called Window, Window Ease? No, Dorsey is a home buying platform. They've laid off half its staff, struggling to raise a new round of financing amidst rapidly cooling market for startups. When you hear that the 10-year treasury note moves from 1.5% to 3 and a quarter, um, credit conditions tighten, and the companies that are earning money get the access to the most amount of loans at the least amount of cost. Let's say Apple makes billions of phones and they make billions of profits. They're not going to have problems getting a billion-dollar loan at 1% or 2%. But let's say you make a billion reservations, but you lose a billion dollars. The bank's going to go, yeah, I don't quite get what you're doing here. We need that bottom line, too. We don't need just the top-line revenue. We need the bottom line as well. So given the current market conditions on capital, the ability to access cheap money. Um, the tap is off. And the banks have said, Dorsey, you better make do with what we've given you because we're not giving you more. Now, Dorsey's in that business of helping people secure a loan and putting their money to work. Property technology startups in particular have suffered from the pullback as mortgage rates rise and the housing market shows signs of cooling. Companies like Redfin, I've seen their stock fall 75% in a year. I bought my last home with a Redfin agent. First time I've ever done that. My spouse made a good connection in a new market. She didn't want to go through typical realtors, so she made a relationship with the Redfin. And it turned out great. It was a lovely service. It was a lot more technology than I've used to ever have. No, it was not a full service uh, agent team. Yes, we feel like we overpaid. Um, but we got the property, which in this market was very, very difficult to assume that. So some layoffs coming to some tech companies right now on venture capital. And if you're in real estate, you're in the wrong area. So Dorsey has been inspired to bring an open bidding process to residential real estate after frustrations with Zillow's algorithms and trying to buy a house in highly competitive markets. I'm not saying we don't need services like this, but food delivery in 10 minutes or less, maybe we don't need. And maybe we don't need to completely replace the real estate agent this year with a fintech idea for next year. When credit dries up, some companies are going to have to downsize and right size and make do with what they have. And you're going to see some job cuts. And I think that's normal. And I think it's healthy. Because when five years ago, venture capitalists would throw money around, anyone who wanted some got some. But we started doing SPACs like, um, well, we know Elon Musk wants to go to the moon or Mars. We know Jeff Bezos wants to go to the moon or Mars. They've put contracts in with NASA to go to the moon. 
or Mars. They put contracts out with the United States government on taking visitors up to space. They were like, oh, but Richard Branson wants to do that. Like, well, three's fine. Two's too crowded. Three's a party. But then we started seeing company after company after company after company say, we're a space company, we're a space company, we're a space company, we're a space company. It was too many. So we kind of need that to burn itself out. China box office, Jurassic World Dominion. Pulled in a hundred million, but it slipped since. Um, I would say this has been the summer of Maverick and not summer of dinosaurs. The dinosaur sequel was pushing to second place. Um, after Chinese drama lighting up the stars, open Friday and surged into first place. There's something to be said for understanding how important the Chinese market is to Hollywood. And I, I can't knock it. I can't say anything super negative. But there's also something. Here's here's a quick idea for you. This weekend I traveled. Uh, went to see a show in Vegas. And the hotel that I was staying at, not exactly a luxury hotel, was doing IV drips in Rome, stem cell therapies, IV drips, and MRIs. The IV drips to revitalize and refresh. You go, that sounds ridiculous. It is. But it's also a way for hotels to make money in a time when it's been very challenging to make money. You ever thought you'd get an IV drip in your hotel room or maybe a little uh, Botox? I didn't think that day was coming, but anything for a buck. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.